Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Head to ADKFightwear.com to see a company that is bucking the trend of all the other MMA and BJJ clothing companies. Look, if you've ever been shopping for shorts and spats and rash guards before, you know how it goes. You don't want to spend a lot of money and instead you wind up with clothes busting at the seams after just two washes. So then you decide you want something high quality and wind up breaking the bank on a $75 pair of spats. ADK Fightwear, though, gives you the high-quality gear at the low price you're looking for. Check out their Fade to Green Spats, which you can pick up at ADKFightwear.com right now for just 30 bucks. You'll be glad you did. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and it starts right now. Daniel Gumby, Greenland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to Mark De La Rosa, who recently defeated Elias Garcia at UFC Boise by rear naked choke. Mark, before we talk about that fight, let's talk about uh, your UFC career in general. So you took your first fight in the UFC against a tough opponent in Tim Elliott, super short notice. Uh, how much did you think you were physically there in that fight? Physically, I was probably there... But probably not a lot. I mean, I was probably a five percent there. I was totally out. I was totally out of it. Ten days, twenty six pounds in ten days. No fight camp. No training camp. I got the calls. Literally sick on the couch. And again, you don't pass up when you got a match where you're calling you, giving you your ticket to the UFC. I mean, I wasn't gonna pass up the opportunity. Yeah, and you, you said you were sick on the couch. What what were we talking about? Like cold? You had the flu? What were we looking at? I had flu-like symptoms, again, hot fever, uh, not really able to eat, throwing up, a little sick. Probably made the weight cut easier? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, you're... you're... Before the weight, that, that actually helped for the weight cut. <laughs> yeah, little preview work done there, too. You, you also, before that, were on the tryouts for the Ultimate Fighter. Was there any part of you that was wishes you maybe went to the Ultimate Fighter, or are you glad that sort of like the short-notice fight was your, your ticket in instead? I was the short notice. I was happy for the short notice fight. Again, I was it, already been in Vegas for a whole week, mm. doing all my physical and stuff. I mean, I was basically on the show for 145. I've never fought at 145. Mm. And again, I mean, I've studied all the guys. Most of those guys on there, at least half of them were 35ers. Some mm. of them were legit 45ers. But I was happy. I mean, again, I like being around my family, my training camp, my coaches. So I was happy I got the, I got the call instead of disappearing for six weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I actually did want to talk about your family too. So I'm glad you made that transition for me. You know, your wife's in the UFC now. For most of people who don't know here, Montana is was a top 15 ranked flyweight. She's two and zero in the division. What, what's it like watching her in the cage from the sidelines? Uh, it's exciting. It's it's fun. Just she's in. I've been in her corner since her very first fight. We've done all our training camps together. We fought on the same cards together before. It's just exciting. It's exciting. It's a little bit, you get a little nervous and stuff, but it's exciting because, I mean, I'm here. Now, I, mean, I don't just get to see her at the gym. I mean, back when we're recovering, we're dealing with injuries, and we're eating, I mean, everything. We're just always around each other. So, it's, I mean, it gets nervous. Super, 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 we're both super invested in each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I assume that makes things a lot easier. You said you fought on the same card in the past. Is that something you'd want to do in the future, or would that make things just too crazy around the house? Uh, I mean, it's something we can look at. We can look into. I don't. I don't. I don't really mind it. I actually. I mean, it's been a little. It's been before I've actually cornered her and fought on the same night. I've done that before too. Uh, I mean, who knows? It's a possibility. Hmm. And and uh, would do you feel like that would make weight cutting easier, more difficult? Uh, you know, I I know fighters tend to get a little grumpy around weight cut time. Oh no, she does Montana. She does a really good job of uh, of cooking for me. I mean, whether she's fighting or I'm fighting, I mean, again, it just happens to work out. Last time where she fought a week before I did, so we were in Vegas, and I was already doing my weight cut and doing not my weight cut, but my diet and stuff. And it was the first time I was ever gone down to 125 so i was dying that whole week and then she fought and then i fought the next saturday in idaho and i mean she stuck on the die with me she's like we'll both we'll both have our cheat meals after your fight i'll just die for another week wow that's that's some dedication right there yeah so so let's talk about your your win now because obviously that's what brought you here so you know you picked up the win in boise what, what's the feeling like after that i mean you picked up your first loss to start your ufc career the win is obviously a big moment. What what was the feeling like right after? Uh, I mean, just main thing, just proving to everybody that I belong and all my hard work, is, is, it's going to pay off. I mean, again, going down to a new weight class, actually fighting people my size. Usually when I fight all these 35ers, I'm looking up. They're bigger than me. They're at, they're at least stepping in the cage 15 to to 10 pounds heavier than what I whatever I get, whatever I gain. And it just it felt good. It just felt it was a great feeling. And and with that being said, you know, obviously 25 seems like your new permanent home. It seems like Tim Elliott would be back at 125 too at some point in time. Is that a fight you feel like you want back, or are you just kind of turn the page on, you know, late notice fight, wasn't feeling great, don't need that one back? Oh, no, of course. Exactly. I mean, again, like I, 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 I was telling my coaches and all my training partners, I was like, if I lose, like you know what I mean, I want to, I want to lose because the guy was better than me. He was honestly better than me. But I mean, the circumstances leading up to that fight. I mean, again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call Tim out or beg for it. Like, hey Tim, I know he's dealing with some injuries too. He, I think he has some surgery or something. But I would definitely like to to run that fight back. Again, no disrespect to Tim Elliott, great guy. I mean, again, all of a sudden he was going through a lot leading up to that fight too as well. But again, I would like to run that one back. Mm-hmm. And and now, so you know, we're getting towards the end of this interview. I know that you know you got out of that fight reasonably unscathed against Elias Garcia. W- when would you like to be back in there again? Uh, I was campaigning for the Dallas card, but I don't think that's going to happen. There's most of it's already booked, but I would love to fight either on the on that Denver card. I'm gonna try to get on that Denver card. Ah, in a very exciting 25th anniversary, I believe they just announced the main event of that. Well, we'll keep a lookout in the bookings. Mark De La Rosa once again defeated Elias Garcia at UFC on Boise, and keep an eye on Twitter for the announcement on his next fight. Thanks again, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. And this will uh, this will run next week because I got one interview for a guy who's fighting this weekend that's going to run on this week's episode. So um, I'll make sure I message it to Orin or I'll email Orin with it and I'll shoot you a text too. Okay, sounds good. And our interview this week with Mark De La Rosa was brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. If you have ever played a sport, be it football, MMA, or hockey, and you hate it 
rocking one of those huge, bulky mouthguards, you gotta check out Sisu mouthguards. Their mouthguards are so lightweight, you'll barely realize it's there, and I know that sounds crazy, but you can really talk, breathe, and drink all with these mouthguards up in your mouth, protecting those chompers. Head to sisuguard.com right now and see what I mean for yourself. You won't be sorry. And of course, I am the host of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. And Dave, imagine the relief of Mark De La Rosa finding out he doesn't actually have to enter the hell that is the Tough House and instead just getting his debut, and he seems to be making the best of it. I mean, kudos to him, because not having to go to the Tough House, that's like getting your driver's license without having to go to the DMV. If you're a fighter right now, and I think the the book is out on this, right, try to avoid the Tough House. It's not (laughs) what it was in Season 5 when Nate Diaz was winning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and did did you see, actually, there was a guy on the – the contender series recently who won by knockout looked really good he was a heavyweight but he was like young and unpolished and they were like oh we're gonna give him a shot he's just gonna go on to the next episode of the ultimate fighter and he seemed so bummed out (laughs) yeah absolutely you know um i gotta say congrats to him though because he got the recent win right and you know debuting against tim elliott that is not an easy feat tim elliott's a gamer yeah, and Tim Elliott, you know, he won that season of the tough flyweights. Um, I mean, he he gave a hell of a fight to Demetrius Johnson. Some might say until Henry Cejudo just beat Demetrius Johnson, Tim Elliott might have given Demetrius Johnson his, like, toughest championship contendership. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. Well, after Cejudo. Yeah, after the recent Cejudo. The first Cejudo one wasn't as good as Tim Elliott. No, correct. You're correct. Yeah, but but this one right here, this is the first person who's done his good since Tim Elliott. It's crazy. All right, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the MMA world. We'll go quick. But what did you think as far as uh, right guy got the decision with Cejudo finally decrowning Mighty Mouse? What do you do next? So I I definitely had it for Cejudo, too, uh, at 3-2. to I I know people aren't as big on his takedowns, uh, but I just wanted to say, you know, I I think, you know, 2-4-5 and were Cejudo, in my opinion. And, and, you know, you could definitely go back and forth on that fourth round if you're me. Um, But for for me, it has to be Mighty Mouse again, right? Like, he had 11 straight defenses. Nobody with even close to that number of defenses who lost didn't get an immediate rematch. You know what I mean? Like, fucking, you know, take, uh, who, I mean, who defended his title a bunch of times in a row? Oh, take uh, Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva gets beat by by Chris Weidman. Immediate title rematch. And, and he got, like, brutally knocked out. But if you have that many defenses, you ought to just get, I mean, he was number one in the pound-for-pound list. If you look at the UFC.com's rankings in the pound-for-pound list, he's still ahead of Cejudo. Like, he deserves to get in there again. Um, so I think it's got to be that. And if it's not that, um, I still think you don't give Cejudo that super fight he asked for. Like, dude, you've never defended in that division. You won the title by split decision against a guy who's already knocked you out. I, like, what, what screams super fight in that? There, well, let me just give a spoiler alert. There is no super fight when it comes to 125. I mean, Mighty Mouse going up to 135, yeah, you kind of get into super fight territory. I'd love to see him versus TJ. But for me, just fucking fold the division and make them all fight at 135. What did you think of the Bellator Grand Prix? 
Uh, I actually really like the Bellator Grand Prix, and there are things I like about it, and there are things I don't like about it. So the first thing that I like a lot about it is that they decided to put Rory McDonald's title on the line every time he fights. So, mm. like, the title is going to follow to the finals, which it could change hands two or three times. It won't change hands two or three times. Here's the thing I don't like about it, though. Like, wouldn't you then match him up with, like, a killer matchup in the first round? Right, like if it's Who did they match title, him up with? In the, well, they haven't done the brackets, have they? They just announced the people. Oh, they oh, did. They have the, the brackets out. Oh, the, but it's, the brackets so, out. It's but John Gegard, It's John. Okay, it's not Gegard versus Rory. No, so Gegard is fighting Rory, but the, after that fight, Rory enters the welterweight Grand Prix. So that's a middleweight fight for Rory. Then he goes to welterweight to defend his title. So okay, right now, Rory McDonald actually has two fights booked. Yeah, I, but okay, okay. I mean, Rory's going to start John Fitch. But, I mean, John Fitch at one point was a killer du jour. It's not a walk in the park. Yeah, he's not a walk in the park. But, like, aren't there more deserving people for a title shot? You know, like... If you went with Douglas Lima, like Rory's still going to get through Douglas Lima. So if you want Rory in the finals, that's fine. But like, then you have like an exciting, like worthy title challenger in the first round. And then everybody else who fights him after then has like won their right to fight him. Whereas like John Fitch has never fought in Bellator. And it's just like, boom, surprise title shot to a UFC slash World Series of Fighting washout. Yeah, agreed. It's, well, it's like it's know. like not good for Bellator's like image, in my opinion, to like give I, this title shot to John Fitch. I see what you're saying. I still love the Grand Prix as a whole. Looking at it in the macro. Oh yeah, I, I think, and I tweeted this a little while ago that I think you just slap the name tournament or Grand Prix on anything, and it's like instantly like thirty times more exciting. Like. Not that you're not excited about Conor Habib, right? Everybody's excited about Conor Habib. Everybody's going nuts about Conor Habib. But what if you said, we're having a lightweight Grand Prix. Conor Habib, Nate Diaz, Dustin Poirier, winners fight each other. It's only a four-person Grand Prix, but like, how much more exciting is that? Hey, I'm with you, brother. I love it. I mean, you're talking to a guy that used to mark out, as we say in pro wrestling, to pride fighting. Now... Speaking of old promotions, Gumby, did you know that it is the 10-year, uh, I guess, anniversary of the IFL? Why don't you explain, going defunct, I might add, International Fight League, why don't you explain the IFL to any noobs who might have started watching this great sport of ours in the Conor McGregor-Ronda Rousey era? So I was a big fan of the IFL. They had some crazy good fighters. I mean, Jim Miller, Roy Nelson, uh who am I missing? Ben Rothwell, Andre Arlovsky. There's tons of good fighters who fought in the IFL. And the IFL was a promotion that not only put on just like fun singular fights from time to time, but they had teams. And every team had five guys fight on every given night. Heavyweight, light heavyweight, middleweight, welterweight, and lightweight. And whatever team won three out of five won the matchup. There were rankings. There was playoffs. There was an ultimate champion. It was some really good so shit. Cool. It's so I fucking cool. I'm getting excited just listening to you talk about it right now. Yeah, and, and it was such a cool concept, but obviously like most MMA concepts that aren't selling big money fights, 
it failed. Uh, and it failed about 10 years ago, almost to the date of recording here. Um, and so today we decided that our combat countdown should have something to do with the IFL. Absolutely. Now, let's also just mention that the IFL was also cool because it had cool team names like the <laughs> New York Pitbulls for Henzo Gracie. And wasn't it like the Quad City Anacondas for uh, Silverbacks? The Quad the City Silverbacks. Silverbacks. <laughs> Someone was someone the, the wait, was someone the Anacondas or am I thinking yeah. of the XFL? I think somebody was the Anacondas too, but you're right. They were very XFL names. Well, I have the uh, intern pulling it up here. So you had, um, let's see, <laughs> wait, so Team Quest, it's funny because I go to Wikipedia and it's like their actual, okay, yeah, here it is. Oh, the they Los had to Angeles... move that in the third season, I think. Right, 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 yeah. right. So it was the Los Angeles Anacondas originally, that became Team <laughs> yeah. Tompkins. The New York Pitbulls were, of course, out of Henzo Gracie. The Quad City Silverbacks were really just a Ooh. bunch of Militich fighters. The Portland Wolfpack was Team Quest. The Southern California Condors was Huas Valley uh, Tudo. And then, of course, the Nevada Lions were the Lions Den. And the Chicago Red Bears were Midwest Combat, who I don't even know... Um, what Midwest hmm. combat is. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's something we'll have to put the intern on. But God, do I love the IFL. So our combat countdown this week is looking at modern MMA camps that could be their own IFL teams and who would be the top five. So Gumby, let me ask you, are you ready for the top five modern IFL teams in this week's combat countdown? Fuck yeah. <laughs> All right, let's start with, because I'm so juiced up about our honorable mentions. Let's start with the honorable mentions. Who you got? Uh, so my honorable mention is going to be City Kickboxing. So City Kickboxing, uh, out of uh, Down Under, uh, has quietly put together a really fucking awesome team. So if I were going to put together a uh, City Kickboxing team, I would put Kai Kara France, Shane Young, Alex Volkanowski, Dan Hooker, and Israel Idesanya together on a team. The reason it made honorable mention is they've got three real big killers there, right? Isisanya, Volkanovski, and Hooker. Young's a little bit unproven in the UFC. Kaikara France hasn't fought in the UFC yet, so we're like a little bit in question of where he stands in that division. So it was like three killers and two guys who are like a little unproven. It just barely kept them off the rankings this time. They are someone to keep an eye on, much like SBG making noise out of Ireland, obviously led by I, I'd say they su surpassed SBG, though. Isn't that crazy? Like, with SBG's got Connor. And, and, well, and Gunner. Yeah, well, Gunner was a uh, camp up in Iceland. I mean, now he's trained there, too. You're right. Connor and Gunner. And then what? Choo Choo Motherfucker? Artem Lobov? Yeah, choo-choo, motherfucker. <laughs> the, future, the, the future of Bellator, Dylan Danis. Let me say this. <laughs> I, have be, I have become so impressed with the New Zealand-Australia realm of MMA oh, fighting no. as far as a region. If you put together a modern IFL team, just listen to this lineup. Bobby Nux, Volkanovski, Idesanya, Hooker, and then take your pick, Mark Hunt or Tuivasa, I mean, who's oh, I'd go that Tui Vasa by a mile, and I might put freaking Tyson Pedro in front of Mark Hunt, too. That's what I'm saying, bro. It's crazy down there right now. There are such good fighters, and they just got, like, uh, Jimmy Crute signed on the, the Contender Series. The dude's 20, 
22 or 23, and a killer at light heavyweight. All right. Well, we're getting off tangent. Let's actually start with the actual top five, and we start now with the top five modern IFL teams. We start with number five. It's Sarah Longo. Yeah, I had to put Sarah Longo on this list. Uh, people actually on our Twitter poll put them just in front of City Kickboxing in a head-to-head poll. Uh, for Sarah Longo, I went with, obviously, team captain Chris Weidman. And then you got to put Ally Aquinta, uh, Aljamain Sterling. I put Olka Sasaki on there because he's now ranked in the top 15 at flyweight. And John Volante, who's just outside of the top 15. You have almost five top 15 guys uh, in there with just Delante outside. That is a pretty kick-ass team. Yeah, absolutely. No arguments for me. Uh, we'll move to number four. An oldie but a goodie. They're still bringing the heat, mainly because of the person at the top, in my opinion, Jackson Winklejohn. Yeah, Jackson Winklejohn, team captain John Jones. He may be suspended, but like, let's be real. If, if they were a real modern IFL team, they would go into every week knowing they were up one nothing. You know, right. like who, whatever other light heavyweight team was out there, it doesn't matter. John Jones is here. Um, and then the other reason I put him in there is they've got two title uh, guys who've t- challenged for titles recently in Ray Borg and John Dodson. So Ray Borg and John Dodson, along with John Jones, could get them three out of five most of the time. When looking for number three and four, I went with Mike Perry and Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson's ranked right now, so they got four ranked guys too. And then uh, Mike Perry's just on the outside, so sort of like the Jean Volante pick of Sarah Longo. They've got four, you know, really good guys, and then one just on the outside. Well, you also could put Overeem in there, too, as a heavyweight. Yeah, although Overeem I'm seeing training a couple of different places, too. I just saw him at Team Elevation training with Curtis Blades to get ready for a fight. Um, wow, didn't Curtis Blades just treat his head as a piñata? He sure did. Uh, so I saw that picture and I was like, ooh, he's going to go learn with with fucking Trevor Whitman and shit. So uh, I'm not sure he's definitely a member of Jackson Wink still. He's always kind of been more of a floater anyway. Yeah, it's tough to keep track with these guys. They're quite mobile, nomads, a lot of them. But, but I'll tell you what, some of the guys on our next team are tried and true to this gym uh, and it, again, much like Jackson Wink is an oldie but a goodie, you know their coach for Azahabi, it's number three, TriStar. Yeah, TriStar was a gimme on this list because, I mean, again, we talked about John Jones pretty much being a one nothing lead for Jackson Wink any week they were would have been fighting. TriStar, same thing. GSP and Rory Mack might be the best welterweight and best middleweight or whatever divisions you decide to put either one in on the planet, so you would probably start with a 2 nothing lead there. Uh, and then I put on Olivier Aubon Mercier, coming off a tough loss, but also like a top 15 type guy. Then you got Arnold Allen, who's a fringe top 15 guy, and uh, I put Steve Bose on there too, because that dude would just go out and slug, so he might, be, uh, he might be the type of guy to get you like a surprise win every once in a while just by throwing bombs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll move to number two. Now, I think there becomes a huge jump. Yeah, uh, yeah because it's 1-2, everybody else. Yeah, it's 1-2, everybody else. So pick your poison, hit us up on the Twitter, at MMA if you feel like 2-1 and one should be reversed. But we have, at number two, American Top Team. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you the difference, too. So American Top Team has got, again, guys who would win all the time, right? Like Dustin Poirier 
with a couple of exceptions, is winning fucking all the time. Tyrone Woodley, fucking champ, probably winning any fight, the exception of maybe Rory Mack. Yoel Romero, winning almost every fight except for a fight against, like, the fake New Zealand team you gave up. So, like, those three, killing it. Killing it and winning them most battles. Then you got, like, King Mo, right? Like, I could probably come up with some other people. If we went into women's divisions, which we apologize for not going into women's divisions, if we went into women's divisions, you would have Amanda Nunes and Tisha Torres, and you, you would have killers here. But instead, we're not going into them, so, like, we have to, like, piece together some, like, heavier guys from ATT, and the best I could come up with were King Mo and Alexia Linick. And for me, that dropped them down into the number two slot because nothing against King Mo or Alexia Linick, but, like, Alexia Linick's best move is hitting an Ezekiel choke and falling to his back and uh, finishing it from Mount. He's not going to beat a lot of top-level heavyweights that way, and uh, King Mo has proven he's, he's maybe not the best light heavyweight on the planet. Well, you also have to think, if you want to talk about um, guys who float around, uh, if you want to put Woodley with uh, Rufus Sport, because I know he cross-trains there, you slide in Colby Covington to ATT. Does that kind of change your opinion at all, or kind of just I, one I think, swap I think that drop, I think that would drop them deeper into the list. I think Woodley's <laughs> a huge improvement on Colby Covington. All right, fair. So we've teased it enough. Let's get to number one. Uh, and I got to say, uh, yeah, I think it's a no-doubter. They're the top team on the planet. They have now the ranked number one pound-for-pound pound fighter. Uh, they happen to have my favorite fighter who's never lost and happens to be a takedown machine. Uh, iron sharpens iron, and that is no more true than at AKA. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you mentioned Dan Cormier. D- Dan Cormier might be their second-best heavyweight, right? Like, he might have to fight at light heavyweight because – they have another awesome heavyweight on their team if this was real. So I'm going Dan Cormier, Cain Velasquez, Luke Rockhold, Habib, and even if you wanted to use like the like standard weight classes, we could use John Fitch uh, here, who's getting a title shot in Bellator, so don't knock John Fitch. But like DC, automatic win. Cain Velasquez, most likely, automatic win. Habib, if he's healthy. Yeah. If, he, if he's healthy, win. right. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. And Habib? Pretty much an automatic win. There it is. You won every single week with those three winning. Rockhold could go 0-48. John Fitch could go 0-48, and they're winning 48 times. Yep, well said, my man. So let's count it down. Holler at the show at Top Turtle MMA if you think we could have done a better job. We have, as our top five modern IFL teams, uh, number five, Sarah Longo will call them the Italian meatballs. Number four, Jackson Winklejohn will call them the New Mexico Gunslingers. Number three, <laughs> TriStar. We'll call them Canadian, the Canadian Gangsters. Syrup. The Canadian oh. Gangsters. Number two, <laughs> ATT, American Top Team. We will call them American Top Team. And number one, <laughs> a.k.a. American Kickboxing Academy, we will call the Eagles. So there you have it. And, of course, our honorable mention went to City Kickboxing. We will call them the Crocodile Dundees. Gumby, that about wraps up the combat countdown. Do we have any house cleaning to do? Any thank yous to throw out there? Yeah, well, first we want to bring you uh, that countdown was brought to you by Garage Fit. Remember to go to garagegym.net for all of your home workout needs. We also want to thank our other sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sisu Mouthguards, and thank you to Flow Combat for having us on. 
each and every week. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. Hit up our Facebook, Top Turtle MMA, and our YouTube channel, all under the same name. We'd like to thank Mark De La Rosa for taking the time to stop by, and thank you to the fans, as always. I am Shockwave Dave. He is Gumby Vreeland. This was Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and we will be back very soon. Thank you for listening.